What's going on, everybody? I am J.M. Banks, and you are tuned into Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network, right here in beautiful Kansas City. So thank you all for joining us once again. Big, huge shout out to all of our listeners, all our supporters out there for making this show possible. Music for the episode is brought to us today by a young Kansas City artist by the name of Faith and his track, Upper Room. We do thank you for joining us for another one of our interviews here in Kansas City. Today, we are joined with an individual who is doing great work work here in our urban core i'm joined with cornell ellis of barack brothers liberating our yeah, community yeah that a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah, acronyms i had a lot of acronyms right. i did the same thing with uh gif when brandon was here uh yeah we got this brother in the building thank you so much for joining us today yeah, it's my pleasure man thank you for being here with me i appreciate it absolutely so let's just get right into it block how long has that been going on how did it start yeah so the groundwork i mean I've been in education for most of my adult life, um, going all the way back to high school. Went to Rockhurst High School, and my senior service project was uh, actually in Genesis School, which is a school over on 41st and Prospect, uh, where I was able to build relationships with kids and work as a teacher's aide and kind of help her grade papers and build lessons. And that was kind of my first introduction to education. Formally, my mother was an educator. My sister is an educator, so I also kind of come from a family of educators as well. Nice. Um, and so when I played football in college, I knew that I loved sports. I knew that I wanted to continue working with kids in that way. I got a history degree from a local university, uh, Avila University, and um, that's really when I decided, you know, I want to work with kids. Uh, I know my family are educators. I can't see myself doing much else than, you know, going to be a teacher. So I became to teach uh, officially um, when I graduated from high school in 2014, graduated from college in 2014. while I was teaching, I really realized that there just weren't enough black teachers, right, first and foremost. Right. And, of course, aren't any black males aren't enough black males. And when we think about how many black boys we have in schools, and we think about representation, about what a, te- a kid that has a teacher that looks like them, what that can do for their achievement, what that can do for their self-confidence, what that can do for their story. So for me, it was clearly an issue, right? We have to be able to get more black teachers into the classrooms. We have to be able to get black teachers to stay longer in education because they leave in three to five years because they fed up with the school systems or whatever. And we have to be able to make sure that those black teachers are strongly effective and are building school systems that are going to be best for kids. Once I realized that that was really the issue that schools were having or that I felt like I kind of step into, um, I started off, I found an Amplify, uh, Amplify the Teachers of Color Conference here in Kansas City, 2016. Okay. Uh, so we're in year five of Amplify this year. Amplify is what we call it. Really excited about that. Uh, and then that same year, I started going up to Philadelphia with these guys, uh, Sharif el and Vincent Cobb and Sterling Grimes. And uh, these guys had started an organization called The Fellowship that was bringing together black male educators from across the country. So I ended up going up there for a conference and me and five other guys from here in Kansas City, we decided that we needed that energy here in Kansas City. So we came back to Kansas City and founded Block, which was specifically working towards black male educators and figuring out how we can increase the number of them inside of schools. Uh, first through sustainment, right? Like we just wanted to, how can we help the brothers feel better that are teachers? You know what I'm saying? And we just started there and we've been building ever since. So it's been five years now that we've been working. We just got our 501c3, what, like last year. So we we pretty brand new, but we're growing pretty quickly. Uh, we're looking forward to what the next five years will bring. 
Block is definitely one of the names that keep popping up when I do my research on organizations doing great work. So I do Thank commend you, you on Thank that, you. brother. Keep that up. Yeah, so in your experience, before we turn the mic on, we were talking about uh, high school. You you shared with me you went to Lincoln and then Rockhurst. Yeah. Uh, so did you get a chance to experience very many uh, black male teachers in your in your tenure? Because I know I probably had maybe two right, in yeah. my high school that I got to What high school did you go to? Purcell. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, in KCPS, they actually do a pretty good job. Yo, shout out to Dr. Bedell, and I know there's been superintendents for years over. They actually have 4% of teachers in the KCPS are, are black men, which is double the national average, um, triple the Missouri average. That's right. right. So Kansas City Public Schools is doing a great job. Um, no, I didn't have black men in my formative education experience. Uh, I literally was just asking this question the other day because I think about this from my middle school and high school experience because those are my most memorable years. But I often forget about my preschool teacher, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bestie, Reverend Bestie, and he, at the Basel Baptist Learning Center. That was my formative, formative education experience. So my first black male, my first teacher ever was a black male educator. Um, and after that, no, I mean, I didn't see one. So it was very, you know, obvious to me, especially at Rockhurst, right, where at least at Lincoln, I was around other black kids and there was black female teachers and, you know, some of the um, some of the administrators were black. You know, it wasn't like I was void of black people. But when I got to Rockhurst High School, it was kind of pretty much that right like mm -hmm. there's 20 black kids in the school zero black faculty you know maybe like the black janitors walking around right. <laughs> and those become your homies right like the only other niggas you see um but yeah in high school it became like very apparent to me that there weren't people that look like me doing this work and so like when you ask why black kids aren't becoming teachers i think that's definitely part of the reason right because they don't think teaching is something for them because they don't see people that look like them do it yeah absolutely uh yeah like i said handful of people in my school and when i say handful maybe two or three i can remember right top of right my head. uh but a, a lot of a lot of black women uh yeah it's generally been a a field that black women take to hmm. uh, how do you think we do go about changing that culture to get these black men into the classrooms to get back in that capacity yeah well i mean at the very top of the list is policy, right? Like how can we change, and even above that is culture, right? Like how can we change the perception of what education is or change the perception of how we revere educators and say that they deserve more and say that we should value them more and say that we should pay them more, right? And so the legislation comes with, you know, the culture and the reverence of, you know, we respect teachers just as much as we respect doctors, as much as we respect lawyers, just as much as we respect some of these other high paying professions. As men, it's difficult that, especially in this patriarchal society that are usually supposed to be breadwinners of their house, to say that <clears throat> I'm gonna support a family on a teacher salary is difficult. Now I'm not out here saying that being a teacher don't give you a livable wage, but supporting two to three kids, you know, not being an administrator, not having multiple degrees, it is it is stress. Um, and so I often see that with men, especially uh, boys that say, I don't make any money in education, so why would I be a teacher? A valid point. Yeah. I'm, nobody wants to be a uh, struggling- Living uh, in the poorhouse. Right, raising people who are gonna make more money than you, sending right, them off right. into the world. <laughs> at the end of the day, a lot of it does come down to dollars and cents. Right. You know, what you're taking right. home at the end of the day, does the effort, 
justify, you know, that paycheck that you put in because I know my high school, mm-hmm. we ran teachers off. Mm-hmm. I saw teachers had have nervous breakdowns. And quit, the yeah, class. in the middle of the day. <laughs> I had a teacher out. slam a book, threw a book against the wall and just start speaking gibberish. <laughs> like, I was like, y'all broke her. Like, y'all legit, she's gone. Oh, like, I've seen teachers do that as a teacher. I've I, seen, I've seen as a teacher, as a teacher leader, as an administrator, I've seen teachers come in Throw they shit in the workroom, say a couple cuss words yeah. about these damn kids, Let it fly. and walk out and quit that day. You know, teaching ain't for everybody, man. You really gotta have. It's not necessarily a certain skill set or even patience. I hear a lot of kids say, "I can't be no teacher." Thick skin. Yeah, you gotta have thick skin. You got and you gotta be a little bit of a performer, right? Like you gotta be able to know that you can stand up in front of people and grab their attention and give them something to hold on. There is a the, the big part of performance in yeah, that, being absolutely. able to present something, right? Because when you look at the uh, even podcasting, you know, the three hallmarks of of a good show is something that's interesting, something that's mm-hmm. helpful, and something that's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Now the thing mm-hmm. about teaching, mm-hmm. it, it got to be all those right. Right. All Otherwise, those things, yeah, and engaging, right? Because yeah. I'm here in person, Interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, it, that's a constant battle. That's why I'm so glad that I'm still teaching this year. Last year, I mean, of course, during COVID, we were all on the computer, but I only taught really a little bit less last year. And this year, I'm teaching a full time class by myself again, which is really exciting um, to be able to engage with kids on a daily basis. I kind of feel like a hypocrite sometimes when I tell black male educators to stay in schools and keep teaching. And I'm out here running my own organization <laughs> and I'm the CEO of a nonprofit. You know what I'm saying? So it feels good to be able to still stand in front of kids on a daily basis and get them to feel that engagement, to get them to feel that learning, to be able to get that light bulb to go off in their heads. Yeah. So starting out Block, uh, how long has Block been active now? So we got our 501c3 back in July. So we're really just less than a year old. Okay. Yeah. So in that one year, what do you think the most <clears throat> difficult stages of that beginning phase has been for you? Mm-hmm. It's hard getting participation, right? Like we talk about how difficult it is being a teacher. At the end of a teaching day, nobody wants to come to an extra event, right? Mm. It's hard enough getting teachers to go out to the bar and have a drink, right? Or go to a basketball game or a volleyball game for the kids. It's extra hard to get them to come to another professional development or another social networking event for something that they don't necessarily think that they need, right? Like black men, we're often emotionally kind of closed off. We're not all out here asking for help, you know what I'm saying? Or telling people that we're struggling. So when we struggle at work, our default is to go straight home, sit on the couch, have a beer, watch a game, go to bed and get up and do it again the next day. And I get that because I was also in that space for a long time. But once you actually get guys coming out and they start to experience what the camaraderie and the brotherhood is like, they keep coming back. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like they didn't know they needed it until they got it, right? They they leave the block events and they like, damn, I didn't know that that was going to be so dope. That helped me go to work the next day. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to get guys coming out, but once they do come out, they stay. Moving forward in regards to those, you you just cracked that first year. Yeah. I mean, what do you think you've learned in that first year that you you might want to fine tune or maybe change up or do Mm -hmm. differently the second year? Being a businessman is tough. I was a teacher. You know, I'm an educator. I'm a people person. That's not my skills to sit in front of a spreadsheet and budget out how much money I'm going to spend. You know, that's just not, that wasn't in my wheelhouse. And so now that I'm the CEO of an organization, that's something that I've had to learn very quickly, learn development, learn a philanthropic organization, learn the ecosystem, learn how to raise money, be a fundraiser. 
learn how to keep a spreadsheet and a budget <laughs> you know what i'm saying um that stuff i'm definitely gonna have to take forward with me right like we've been fortunate enough to raise almost 60 to 70 percent of our planned operating budget for this next coming fiscal year so we've raised a good amount of money and i'm doing a pretty good job on that learning curve right now but if the if what i want block to become in the next five years which is a part of that is fiscally sustainable and fiscally responsible then i have to continue building in that manner right which may may be my biggest growth you know what i'm saying like i'm a curriculum guy i love writing lesson plans i love studying history i love doing like academic stuff i'm gonna have to grow in this other area and take these lessons that i've had from the last year forward with me as a businessman Kansas City right now, I feel, is at a very interesting place, mm -hmm. uh, creatively, economically, especially within our community. Uh, where do you feel like the landscape is going? How do you feel like Block is going to be able to influence that next generation as well? Mm. That's a good question, man. You're right. Like, KC, no, I've been here for 30 years, you know, 31 years. And I just now starting to see it blow up when the Royals and the Chiefs got nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, now it's the place to visit. It's no longer a flyover city. Like people want to come kick it in Kansas City now. They come visit for the barbecue or the jazz or whatever. Um, but I think Kansas City fits in that middle of the map since we was just talking about this, right? As like a piece of the puzzle that connects the East and the West Coast, right? And so we talk about this national network. Um, we talk about this revolutionary work. We talk about liberating urban communities from coast to coast. It can't happen without the Midwest, right? And of course, Chicago is great. And of course, Dallas is doing all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Kansas City in this middle of the map is literally a meeting ground and a space for people from Oakland, California to Philly to New York to Atlanta and Tampa Bay, you know what I'm saying, all the way to Phoenix, Arizona. They can all kind of meet and come to Kansas City and as a national conglomerate for revolutionary practices. When it comes to like justice and liberation, I think not only is this an interesting time for Kansas City, but it's an interesting time for the country. We know that we're at a kind of a crossroads here with politics, how people feel about social justice, racism, all of these kind of buzzwords, CRT that are popping up all over the place, right? right? Like, how can we, we you know, people are gonna have to choose, you know what I'm saying? Ain't gonna be no more fence sitting here in a minute. <laughs> and a lot of these organizations that have been historically white, especially in a philanthropic world, starting to throw money at this social justice stuff, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, Block is, in a, Block is in a really great space. Over the last year, we did a really robust strategic planning process with a market analysis and strategic, um, with a market analysis and a landscape analysis that really showed us between the social justice, between, you know, this call for diversifying educators um, <clears throat> and between like a blue federal government right now with Biden up there, like throwing money at this kind of stuff. We're in a really strong position to you know, make some real changes in the Kansas City community, especially the educational ecosystem in the next 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the time to capitalize because yeah. for once, people are interested. Being uh, black is cool right now. Yeah. <sighs> we don't know how long that shit going to last, though. I was you about know, to say. That, yeah, that's, what, that's why I like that with the finance sustainability piece, right? Like, we know organizations going to be throwing me money and organizations like my money for maybe the next five years. But that shit dries up, right? Yeah. Like we and until we until the next thing comes along. Right, right. Until somebody else get killed. Until the next nigga get killed by, by a police officer and it's popular again to support black lives. Yeah. I mean, I was just uh talking about this with uh somebody during a job interview and I was telling them, um, like pretty much like 
after a few people burned down a Target, then y'all got worried, and all right. of a sudden you see uh, now Target got Black Lives Matter shirts. Everything got Black Lives. Matter. <laughs> I mean, if you go to Netflix, they got a, a Black Voices section. Right, you go yeah. to Amazon, they got a Black Story section. If you go to HBO Max, if you go to Hulu, they all got Black sections. Yeah. Now Black stories are valuable. Right. It's very crazy to look at, especially just a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't take long. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much started your your organization in the midst of COVID and the midst yeah. of George Floyd protests. Right, right, right. I mean, how do you feel like it, things may have been different? Do you feel like that helped? Do you feel like that was a detriment? Do you well, I mean, like I told you, we've been, we've been working since 2016. So, like, we, we have been meeting and doing stuff out of our own pockets. And it wasn't until 2019 or 2020 that an organization heard of us and tried to fund us. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So... Luckily, we had been doing this work before it got popular. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. Then let me not say that. No, I'm gonna say that. I'm. A, I don't take kindly to, to to people that spring up in the midst of trauma mm-hmm. and yeah, try to make a buck. You know what I'm saying? Opportunist. Uh, yeah. And some, you know, some people say that's business. Some people say that's inspiration or motivation. And there were so many people that was like, and after George Floyd, we just feel like we couldn't sit here no more. And it's like. That's tight, but like, what was you doing the day before that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, what are you, even people today, like, what are you doing after? Y'all might go to a protest or a rally and hold up a sign and then go back home and watch some impressive shit on Netflix. Like you were saying, like, go go back and watch something that has no people of color in it, that has no perspectives in it, that's actually damaging your kids. Like, what are you actually doing on a daily basis besides shouting on Facebook, trying to use whatever platform you have to start? agitating ass conversations really like they're not even having useful conversations they're having agitating conversations that that's a tough quote you asked is a tough question because it's a benefit and a detriment right like it's a benefit because we get more attention oh my god like a black another black man just died on tv how can i support black men whoop there's a block Uh right like Uh (laughs) like we've been doing like we've been here doing this work actually for you know four years now you can hop on board and support but like that's also a detriment because like do i really want your trauma dollars Mm. you know what i'm saying the dollars that's not yeah this dollars that's not gonna be here in five years like you said you know do you feel like there are a lot more non-for-profits popping up that people are starting without even doing research in regards to if somebody's already covering that basis Mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely have to have that conversation a lot because people come to me and they're like man like how did you like how did you do it like man what you're doing is so great i'm like well i just got out here and started doing the work and they're like well i got this idea like i want like i want to i want to do this and i want to do this and i want to do this and i'm like Man, I know like two or three other organizations that's doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Have you linked up with them and found your niche or have you linked up with them to be able to figure out how to collaborate, right? Instead of trying to create something new in a saturated market, you know? And that's, I mean, market analysis is key in any you know, business plan or strategic model, right? Like you have to know who else out there is doing the work that you're trying to do. And that's one thing about Block, right? Like if I would have, I, I knew that there were other black male like mentoring organizations. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I was a part of a couple of them, but I, I knew that there wasn't anything for black male educators specifically, right, formally. And I knew that from being in the ecosystem myself. You know what I'm saying? From former Amplify, I was able to see and talk to hundreds of black educators around the city, you know, at least on a yearly basis. I was meeting up with 20 to 30 black males on a weekly basis 
to have these conversations nice. like we knew that there was nothing like this out there you know what i'm saying except for what we was doing and every time somebody else heard about it they was like man this is dope i gotta be there and after they leave they like i'm coming back that's that's good advice i like that you bring that up about the individuals coming to you because i get i got people coming to me too yeah and it's like uh especially with podcasting they don't do the research right like i've had somebody sit there and been like uh, yeah i've done all the research i was like all right let's look up your name right the name you selected let's just see if that's taken Five other shows with that name usually is. Yeah. <laughs> let's start. Let's go there. back back to the drawing board, shall we? People just think they can get on a microphone and be like, "Let's talk about." Or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like let's record our conversations. Me and my niggas having a round. <laughs> I ain't gonna laugh because that was me. I was like, "Yeah, we're entertaining. People would love to hear us." And then, yeah, after I, I literally recorded an episode, listened back, I was like, "I can't, I can't put this out. This is no, nothing productive at all in this conversation." But mm. yeah, it, it, it wasn't mm. until I got around to covering people in the community that you right. know, stuff started flying off the handles right, right and right. i think it's just uh, being able to cover everybody not just working you know uh, selecting people in business or people in music or people with not-for-profits yeah. and whatnot yeah. but yeah in regards to kansas city what, what are the other organizations that you do definitely ones that people need to watch here in the city yeah i mean uh katina taylor is running the black female teacher organization she you know the black male teacher organization doesn't work without the black female teachers you know as you already stated there's more of them than there are black male educators right and often you know as as the most highly educated subgroup in america they often hold like really high positions in education as well um, and so we're always having conversations, collaborations with the black female teachers. You know, all of our social events go together. What's that group called? Elements of Education. Okay. Yeah, Elements of Education. You can find them on Facebook, too. I was trying to work out the acronym. I was like, E-O-E. <laughs> yeah, it's E-O-E is the acronym. Um, and yeah, Katina has been an advocate in education for over 20, 25 years. And she's, she's a really dope person. And their group continually supports and, and works with black female educators. So check them out. Um, the Latinx Education Collaborative, of course, with Edgar Palacios. They're also our brother organization working to increase the number of Latinx teachers in Ooh. education. Um, they are in the midst of just being fucking rock stars, dropping um, education data from the Missouri area. So you can go and take a look at their website right now and see exactly how many black, white, Latinx, and uh, of color teachers and educators there are at every school in Kansas City and Missouri. It's an unbelievable dashboard that allows you to really start to see the stark realities of like Latinx uh, teacher population representation to students is even worse than black, mm -hmm. right? Like there's almost six times as many Latinx students as there are Latinx teachers. Wow. And so, again, like why their mission is so important, right, to increase the number of representation of teachers for students that, that look like them, that talk like them, that come from the same backgrounds as them, right? Um, so those two organizations, of course, could go on for days. <laughs> Moving forward with Block, where do you feel the organization is going to be headed in the future? What are your aspirations for those next few steps, best case scenarios for you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, just increasing our footprint, right? I want to increase the the amount of black male educators in Kansas City areas you know, by double in the next 10 years. Um, I want to be at a certain financial level for the organization that's sustainable, right? Where five to 10 years, I feel like Block could be in a place where Cornell could be ready for his next steps and Block 
would still be an organization that would thrive and continue to exist. I want to continue building like really strong and effective uh, educators of all colors, right? So, of course, Block's work focuses on black male educators specifically, but we also focus on white educators because they're the majority of the ones there and because those are the ones that are in our schools right now feeding our, our talking to our babies and teaching our babies. And so Block goes into schools and does professional development. Uh, we write curriculum and curate it for schools. Um, and we go in and we're able to really help push the faculty that's already there and leadership that's already there towards educational equity, towards anti-racism, towards justice, so that the kids that are sitting in the seats right now aren't facing trauma while we wait to get more black male educators, right? Like we wanna be able to help increase all educators' capacity for justice. So we want to, you know, over the next 10 years, of course, increase the graduation rates for our black babies across the Kansas City and metro area, um, increase their test scores, right, increase, increase their achievement. So we want to be able to see that that number tick up along with our numbers of representation. Um, and then, of course, like I want to see some policy changes, especially when it comes to teachers and the way that they're that they're revered and the way that they're paid and compensated um, and the way that they're seen in society. So we, we hope that in the next 10 years, we you know, teaching is a more... Uh, it's, it's a more respected career that people are more interested in becoming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a lot of factors that go into that. I think the main one is pay. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it, teachers are one of those vital uh, occupations that you just can't do without. Right. You know, just society literally can't do without. Yeah, it. it's one yeah. of the pillars. Uh, education is one of those main pillars of society, but they don't get the same protections that law enforcement yeah. get or uh, yeah. you know people in the criminal justice system get uh, or doctors you know right. those people are just as vital to our society because that's pretty much uh, you can draw a lot of uh, that's pretty much the root of a lot of problems is education mm -hmm. and you know studies show that if somebody gets a valid education as opposed to going to a school district that just doesn't care uh, they're going to have more of a shot in life so yeah right. that yeah, that, yeah is one of the main things we really need to work on um yeah teachers i've seen i've seen teachers just check out just like come to class and yeah not be put it. on a movie give yeah. a worksheet and you know one of the organizations that i do some consulting with uh, it's called tntp it's a national organization that does research across the country most recently about the opportunity myth and uh, this idea that students can't achieve mm -hmm. or that certain students uh, this achievement gap, right, that certain students aren't able to achieve that high, when in reality it's an opportunity gap, that most students aren't given the opportunities to achieve that highly, aren't given the opportunities to have access to rigorous materials. And they go through like thousands of classrooms a year, and they find that, of course, like over 60-70% of the assignments that are given to these kids are way below grade level. They are literally just you know, busy work that mm -hmm. kids are engaging in that isn't challenging them. And kids know it, right? Like kids know when they're given shit work. They know when teachers don't have belief in them. They know when teachers come into classes with biases and prejudices and preconceived notions about kids and what kids can do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when teachers check out, a kid is like, why would I even bother, right? Or, or why would I finish this whack-ass worksheet when it doesn't interest me? It's actually offensive that she would put this in front of me. You know what I'm saying? While we watch fucking Clifford on TV. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm 17. You know, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high school student. Supposed to be getting ready for college or post-graduate education, right? 
Uh, we have so many kids that are getting into college that are not prepared because their high schools and their teachers aren't being held to high standards. Definitely one of those kids. I got into college by the grace of God, uh, mm. but was ill-prepared for that struggle. So super important to make sure kids are actually prepared, got those resources. Right. Uh, that's why I definitely take my hat off to you and the work you're doing, because that is such a, a vital, vital resource you're providing for the community. And we definitely need more black educators, especially more black male educators in the field, because like you were saying, that it's definitely going to have an effect on those black boys who see somebody who looks like them. Right. I remember what all the black men or the few black men we had in our high school they were more like father figures exactly because exactly weren't afraid to tell us hey chill out right you, you you're doing, tripping you're right now stupid you're tripping right now you're not making good choices look at me yeah exactly right <laughs> <laughs> and that's that look that like you know susan just can't give them that yeah you know what i'm saying becky just can't just can't look at a kid and give them that eye that their uncle gives them, yeah. right? Or that their grandpa gives them. It's connection and a relationship, but it's also just like I said, like cultural relevance. Mm -hmm. That even if a kid don't know you, and you hit them with some some stuff that they that's familiar to them, they will respond. And it's so important to give kids every opportunity to respond and to be able to to access them right like kids have barriers and walls people do yeah right people have barriers and walls how are you able to find access to this person so that y'all can build a relationship so that y'all can so you you can help them learn right that's what teaching is it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a lot of people don't master that skill um well schools don't teach them that skill either right like schools of education are not preparing kids are not preparing future teachers to create critical agents out of kids, wow. right? Like they're preparing, and we know what, like education was founded, especially in this recent era, to help create like factory workers, right? And direction followers, right? To have kids stand on a Ford General Motors plant assembly line, beep, boop, bop, bop, beep, beep, put the parts together. When the whistle blows, they go take lunch and go back to work for another three hours, right? Right, like that's the system that school is trying to be preparing kids for. Yeah. It's not what the 21st and 22nd century is gonna be about. Hopefully not, because we got enough employees. Yeah, we already losing in the, in the world race, right? Like we got Silicon Valley, I guess, where these people that don't even have college degrees, right? Which is a great indicator of how valuable it is. Right. Are making buku money. It's supposed to be the purpose of education to get kids out here to make some money. I mean, anytime there is an instance in an industry where people show you can circumvent the traditional way. Right, yeah. Uh, take podcasts for instance yeah. <laughs> uh, you know people are turning to podcasts for their entertainment or YouTube for mm -hmm. their entertainment to the point where people are like why do you even have cable anymore <laughs> like yeah. people don't generally go about things the traditional ways anymore which is good I think uh, so yeah I think so yeah, and, and we see education making that shift too, especially after last year. You got to when we realize that kids can learn from home. Some kids learn better from home. Oh yeah, right. Like some kids learn better from that outside of that environment. Some kids are more uh, technologically savvy than we thought they were. You know, so having kids be able to lean into that. I had kids that before last year couldn't open up a Google document and type into it and save it, download it, and email it out. Right, right? and last year. Those were skills we were able to work on, right? You know, we were able to work on sending an email to your professor or sending an email to your teacher asking for work or something like that, right? Like, those are skills that maybe in a classroom we never even get to, because the classroom is so antiquated, we never even get to, right? Or that some teachers or parents say aren't even relevant, 
right? Because we too too busy reading fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the life skills. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right in, in that respect about uh, certain kids are excelling because just the pressure of being in that social arena where they may be afraid to raise their hand or say something, being removed from that element. So that that is super interesting. That that we are changing. Uh, we got mm-hmm. to change. And all kids doing. deserve to learn in the way that they learn best, right? Like, if a kid's anxiety is preventing him from performing socially like that, then give him the opportunity to excel in a different way, right. you know? Straight up. They deserve that. So, people who are interested in helping or supporting, how can they help and how can they support? Yeah, so we, I mean, we, we throw events that will need volunteers and um, we are always asking more black male educators to come in. I think everybody listening right now has one black male educator on their mind, whether or not they were taught by them or it's their friend, like their current like adult friend, right? Or maybe there's teachers out there listening that has a couple black men in their building. Um, let's connect them with Block, right? Like, so let's connect them to each other also, right? right. Because they are probably looking for some kind of reprieve from your white ass. So (laughs) let's give them the opportunity and the space to be authentic and to say, hey, you know, Mr. Ellis, I really appreciate, like I heard this podcast last night about only 2% of teachers uh, in America are black men and I never really thought about it. Like I never really thought about how you was the only black man on my floor. I never really thought about how you was the only black man in my department. And I just want to let you know that I see you and I appreciate what you do, even if it's very difficult, which I'm sure it is. <laughs> right. So you go do that, you know, go do that. And then you can always donate. You know, we're a nonprofit organization. All of your contributions are, are tax write off and all of them go directly to supporting a black male educator. Right. Okay. Like, you know, we have membership and sponsorship packages where you know, to be a member of the block. It means that you receive lots of benefits and amenities and things that are going on across Kansas City. You get discounts to and actually having opportunities to get more money in your pocket. Right. And all of your contributions to block go towards sustaining black men in education. Right. Um, we're not like a traditional recruiting organization. Oh, there is another organization I'd like to give a shout out to. Oh. Teachers like me. Teachers like me uh, by Dr. Trinity Davis. She has increased the number of black educators in Kansas City by recruiting them and then building them affordable housing here in the town. That's dope. That's so dope. So like one of the biggest barriers to... You know, like we said, being a teacher is the financial aspect. And so when you're a graduating senior from college and you're looking for a new town to move to to be a teacher, housing costs can be outrageous. Relocation costs can be outrageous and be one of the things that keep you from finding a job in a new city and and building roots in a new city. And so teachers like me, this organization, Dr. Davis, uh, worked for the district for 15, 20 years, and now she's founding this organization to increase black teachers in Kansas City by letting them live together in like a little house like real world. Bought them a couple of houses, built them a couple of apartments, and it's gonna be really, really dope. And so Block is not like that kind of recruiting organization, right? Uh, we're a sustainment organization. Like we, the the first the first step to increase the number of black educators in schools is to keep the ones we got, mm. right? If we're always, you know, there's data out there that say, that says, you know, we, I'll get these numbers wrong, but like we increase uh, about five to 6,000 black educators every year across the country. Wow. Right. We also lose 
about five to six thousand black educators every year out of education. Oh wow, so we break even. <laughs> exactly. If not negative, right? I think like the numbers yeah. every year often come off negative, right? So it's it's arguably not the fact that black people aren't becoming teachers; it's that they aren't staying, right? And so Block is working continuously to make school systems and to make experiences in Kansas City be like positive ones so black men can stay here for a lifetime and stay in education for a lifetime so tell a black man about block and donate so that a black male educator in kansas city can stick around for another year yeah we're definitely going to be including those links uh for donations and just get more information in the episode description so please check them out this is this is great work they're doing out here i love to hear that we do definitely need more black men in education definitely will be doing everything i can on my end to help anything y'all need let me know for sure uh, definitely you. will be hitting up brothers in education i know in the city uh and getting them in contact with you as well because i know they'll be very excited about that keep doing what you're doing brother i appreciate you for coming coming by you got any uh, closing words uh keep the block hot you know what i'm saying it's um it's been a hot summer uh we about to head into the fall but it's important that we continue to understand and remember that liberation doesn't come by accident we have to continuously and vigilantly fight every single day for justice and liberation not only in our schools but in our community so keep the block hot visit our website holla back Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thank you. To Mr. Cornell Ellis, Block Brothers Liberating Our Community. Check them out. They're doing great work. We need to keep encouraging these individuals here in the KC area who are trying to build and change what we came up from. So we got to support them, folks. So be sure to check them out. And also, big shout out to uh, my nonprofit I do uh, work with, The Village KC. Hey, uh, shout out to The Village, too. What hey, up? Hey, we out here. <laughs> uh, but no, shout out to all the nonprofits out here doing good work. I, I see a lot of them whenever I'm out doing any kind of events or, or you know, with The Village, doing, you know, I have a booth set up. Mm-hmm. I see a lot, so many great organizations organizations and i really am trying to get to everybody as quick as i can <laughs> uh, i took a little break from interviews while i focused on my, my writing but you know they piled up so right. I'm, I'm starting to get people back in be be patient with me folks yeah your day's coming you Don't get worry. them all yeah you get them all <laughs> yeah. uh, that is all we have for this episode thank you so much for joining us music for the episode is brought to us today by a young kansas city artist by the name of faith in his track upper room check him out real name charles burrell so yeah that's all we have this is urban alchemy podcast i am jm banks you all stay blessed stay safe and keep creating kc peace peace out Had to find my life was worth Searching for the answers through other people ain't how it works I can try to be in someone's life and mine straight I know it Back then I was young, dumb and in love and I came off as worthless Then we almost have it all 
I must make life worth it. I remember thinking wedding vows up in my room, my hearsing. Looking back at my own mind, y'all were always perfect. Now I gotta put myself together and perfect my verses. I done spent so long in the wrong. This shit be so hard to write. Strong paranoia, trust issues, hardly slipping at night. Think back on all the shit I've been through, the results of my life. I'm out of scissors, trying to build a dope dream with a wife. Shouldn't be focused on my family's glued to their advice. That shit will one day out the other. I've been paying that price Now I'm Stevie Wonder to the bull Don't want that drama in sight Been getting wise and getting fly I'm going straight for the light Young guy When it's time for me to hit the upper room Don't put roses on my grave if I ain't fuck with you You was looking down on me I had so much to prove But you don't know a thing about the boys cool Used to be naive man I was such a fool Now niggas saying faith I'm looking up to you So long, and I thought that I would never see the break of day. It was hard for me to see my destiny. Felt like a sinking to this. I was ready to Night after night, I fought for my life. I can't ever take this drive from me. Now I'll be alright. Find the guys that 